sleep is a skill? It's true. If sleep were something that were measurable and quantifiable on a level that equated with skills, certification, and accreditation, I would be able to add it to my resume. In fact, I consider myself a professional sleeper. What does that mean? I mean, what time do you get up? What time do you go to sleep, in fact? I'm pretty regimented. If I were an employee at a sleep company, and that was my job, I'm always on time. So 9 o'clock at night, I'm out. 4 a.m., I'm up. And even without an alarm, my body knows that's the time to shut down. That's the time to get the sleep in, and I sleep hard. Not a lot wakes me up, which I guess might not be a great thing, but there's such an intensity to my sleep that I barrel through the night and really make use of every minute and every second. Is that really a skill? Well, I mean, one way to look at it is that a routine like that can be pretty healthy. Gone are the days when going to sleep at 3 a.m. and waking up at noon or those kind of things and jumping back and forth between staying up late, going to bed early, or maybe not getting enough sleep. Those wreak havoc on you physically and mentally and even emotionally. But I think we have to go through that, especially when we're young, to kind of figure out how our energy levels affect our day-to-day, hour-to-hour, moment-to-moment. And when you find a groove, it tends to be something that can be really beneficial and something that you can use. But I'm not talking about the health benefits here. That's not, I think those are kind of obvious and that's a different conversation. I'm talking about the idea that sleep to me is such an important technique, I guess you could say, of life that if you can master it, it can produce great things. Because as a professional sleeper, one thing I can appreciate truly is the art of sleep. Now again, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. Not an art form. Sleep itself is really just your body getting rest, recharging, shutting down for a little bit. Necessary. I'm talking about the art that can actually be produced from sleep. But what does that mean? Dreams. And I'm not talking about the dreams of... I want to be this when I grow up, or someday I'm going to achieve this. I'm talking about the movies that play inside your head that your brain has produced for you. Because to me, that's what I feel dreams really are. It's a way for your brain to take the information that you've put into it and put it together in a way and show it to you so that you can see the information in a completely different light. I feel like the brain doing that is this amazing skill that can't really be learned but can somehow be nourished by taking care of yourself and making sure that you get enough sleep. I don't know enough about the science of sleep in the sense of I I understand the very basic principles of our different stages of sleep and REM sleep and sleep cycle and circadian rhythm. I know enough in that sense to know, okay, I get a sense of where I should be, but I'm talking about what ends up happening because of all this. I first started getting interested in dreams naturally as a child, but maybe unnaturally in a interest or fixation with horror movies, in particular, the Nightmare on Elm Street series. You know anything about me, you know that I'm a, I've been a fan of horror films my whole life. And while it's not so much the horror that I am interested in. It's the amazing 
story elements that have come from some of these films. And so not so much to focus on the unpleasant aspects of a series like Nightmare on Elm Street, not to condone especially any kind of violent acts and things like that. As I saw these films as a kid, I was fascinated more so by the idea of a dream world, a place in your head that seemed so real but really wasn't. And Boogeymen aside, it wasn't about the fact that something lurks in these dreams. It was really about the world itself and the fact that our brains can create that. Where does that come from and what do they mean? Couple that with my own observations and curiosities about dreams, and it's been something that throughout my life I have always been fascinated by and always wanted to know more about and have always been willing to explore. So back when I was a kid, watching these movies and realizing, wow, in your dreams you can do anything. Anything can happen in your dreams. You can go anywhere, see anything. Now at first it was kind of confusing because you'd have dreams and they wouldn't make any sense. Yet they seemed so real and then upon waking there's that realization that, oh, yeah, it wasn't real and I have no idea what it means because none of it made any sense at all. They are all things that I recognize or maybe things that I vaguely recognize, but for the most part, they were all things that I've seen or done or felt just in a different order and in a different way. Somehow those memories and those images resurfaced in my brain like bits and chunks of a crashed ship floating up to the top of the water. Of course, that could quickly turn to a grim scenario when you're talking about nightmares, when it's not just memories and personal belongings floating to the top, but also bodies. But we're not talking about nightmares. Maybe that's another conversation. I remember a dream early on, probably when I was between 6 and 10, where after watching these films repeatedly and trying to explore the notions of being able to do things in your dreams, being able to have powers in your dreams that you didn't have in real life, I tried it. And believe it or not, it worked. And people say, oh, you can't, you can't control your dreams. Well, you can. Lucid dreaming is a thing. And while I didn't know the term at the time, I had seen these movies, which in the Nightmare on Elm Street series, Wes Craven, another idol of mine, you know, I, I share a fascination with him, with the dream world, and kind of our methodology of trying to pick it apart, where he really touched on a lot of these subjects that were not really explored in film, at least to the extent that he did it. Sleep studies, those types of things. But the idea that in your dreams you have the power, or any power, in fact. And so I distinctly remember a dream where I thought, okay, I'm dreaming, so can I do anything? And I remember, I think I saw some nonsensical things and things that didn't make sense, but when I realized it was a dream, I tried to do something. And my first vivid memory of lucid dreaming was I was standing in front of a drive through window for some reason, and someone put a hamburger unwrapped right there at the counter, and I said, I'm dreaming, I'm going to try and do something. So I shot lightning bolts, and I blew up the burger. True story. From then on, you know, this fixation on dreams has always been something that stayed with me all the way through adulthood. A little further on from that point, when I was a teenager, I started keeping a dream journal. It was a pretty amazing experience. I did it for a number of months. I still have the journal, and I still look at it. I even illustrated the journal. And so to go back and 
look at those images and remember trying to manifest them on the page and trying to get the words down. You know, on one hand, it was a crazy thing to do. And if you've ever tried it, you realize how difficult it is. When you wake up from a dead sleep and you've got that fresh dream imprint on your mind, the kind that kind of fades away really quickly, like moisture on a window or melting ice, it just rapidly goes away. And then the images start to blur and they start to merge together. So waking from a dead sleep, grabbing my pen and my journal and trying to write down everything I could was in and of itself an adventure. And doing it multiple times, that was, that was interesting. But again, what's even more interesting is looking back at what my brain at the time had put together on that given evening for me to see. So into adulthood, I continued once in a while exploring lucid dreaming because I thought it was a fun thing. I had one where I was in a parking lot of some city somewhere. It was probably the end of winter. I saw snow on the ground. The sun was shining, so it seemed like it was morning. And at the end of the parking lot, there was a very apocalyptic looking car, something out of Mad Max, and driving it was a pig, a really angry looking pig wearing like a black leather jacket. So a pig out of Mad Max, out of Thunderdome, just, he was ready to run me down and he was revving his engine and then he charged towards me. So in that moment that he charged towards me, I reminded myself, you're in a dream and you can do anything you want. So before he hit me, I flew, I flew up into the air, just like Superman, and I flew away from him, and I looked down, and he never hit me. So is this really professional sleeping? No, professional sleeping doesn't exist. What I'm saying is that there's something to say about having that kind of control when technically your mind is not in control, at least conscious control, because your subconscious has suddenly taken over while your conscious mind is sleeping. And the division of those two things is something that may not be scientifically accurate, but I personally feel that there's a distinction, at least in my own experience. But the sleeping part is tied to that, that ability to control that realm of behavior in your brain where I literally can fall asleep in under 90 seconds. That's my true superpower. It's not being able to do things in my dreams, but it's the ability to fall asleep in seconds. I have frequent conversations with people about the fact that I power nap. If you look this up, it's really, again, another interesting thing like lucid dreaming, where power napping can have a really, really significant impact on your energy level and is a really good time to just kind of do a quick recharge, like plugging your phone in when it's almost dead and then having it kind of just resurge in some energy to continue on for the rest of the day. I swear by them daily. And I have different versions of them. There's the 10 to 15 minute power nap, which is pretty standard. I fall asleep in under 90 seconds. And then as soon as I wake up, there's probably like a moment of grogginess. And then like for some people having a cup of coffee, it really is energizing. Bad people say, oh, I, don't, I can't fall asleep in under half hour. It takes me forever to fall asleep at night. Well, that's, I think that has to do with your stress levels and, and things like that. But seeing as though I would be a professional sleeper, I don't have that issue. I think I get that from my mom. My mom is able to fall asleep anywhere. So she's passed that superpower on to me. So in under 90 seconds, boom, I can take a power nap. I can also do micro naps. Some people probably don't even believe in that ability to fall asleep just for a few seconds and then wake up. 
it's a real thing and I've done it and I do it regularly. Again, it's just this burst of energy. So then what does this matter? What is the art of sleep? Is it doing all this stuff? No, that's just something I find pretty cool. The art of sleep is what I feel what comes out of all that. And for me, I've had an amazing experience throughout my life with what comes from sleep and my dreams. Some of the stories that I've told or written have come from very impactful dreams that I remembered vividly and that I somehow retained or wrote down as something to go back to and explore. Profound images and scenarios that had stories in them that I didn't even know, things that I'd never thought of. And yet somehow my brain took all these memories and things I've seen throughout the day or even my life, and while I was sleeping, took all these things and assembled them into this script and then cast it and then produced it and then edited it and then broadcasted it on the back of my mind so that I could watch it while I was sleeping. I truly believe that's how it works because my rational mind would look at all these things and look at my day, at everything that I've seen in the past 24 hours and, and go, okay, yeah, that, that happened. And if I have to make up something based on it, if I have to write a story, create some kind of scenario, I could, but it would be very methodical. It would be very strategic and organized in the way that we try to approach the rest of our lives. But my brain's like, nah, you're overthinking it, which doesn't that sound funny to say? Your brain says that you're overthinking it. You see what I did there? Okay. There's going to be some unintentionally unfunny things in this podcast. That's probably one of them. But I'm a dad, and dad humor is, I think, another skill of mine, but that's another conversation. But the brain takes it and almost gives it a fresh look and goes, these are all pieces of a puzzle, and I'm going to put them together. The same way that at least sometimes I approach creative writing. Just like, how do I incorporate, how do I fit these together? Because they seem like they go together, or they seem like they could lead here, by creating a map. And the brain does it without any seeming prior judgment and without a lot of analyzation. It just somehow finds the best way to put these things together so that it gives you a story to reflect on. And while a lot of people say, I don't remember my dreams, I get it. Most people don't. A lot of people don't. But I'm pretty sure it's a fact that we dream every night. It's just a matter of whether or not you end up looking at that screen while you're sleeping. And for me, I've learned to really pay attention to it and get as much as I can from it. The majority of the stories I've written have come from my dreams. That is a fact. Whether it came from one image or, let's say, in the case of Cygnus, Cygnus was a trailer that played in my head for a movie that I'd never seen or heard of. I still remember the trailer because I wrote it down. I was in a trailer, essentially. There was dialogue, and I saw this place and that place, and this happened. And in the same way that a trailer leaves you going, oh my god, what, what comes next? I woke up feeling like that. I wrote it down, and then eventually that fleshed out as a novel. And the core components of that dream are all in the novel. All my other stories, again, there is some image there that I guarantee came from a dream. So what I consider the art of sleep is the art that is produced on account of our dreams relative to the fact that our brains 
had all that information the whole time and had to find a way to give it back to us and have us do something with it. That is the art of sleep. And that's something that I hope to continue to have and never lose because while the superpower of sleep is great, the most fulfilling part of it is, is getting, getting something more out of that. Because health is one thing, but this kind of artistic and creative awakening that you get when you have a dream that's profound, that moves you or that motivates you to do something else, that's what I find really important to me. I had a dream recently, and for the first time in a long time, I wrote it down. And it wasn't because it gave me an idea for a story. Um, it wasn't because it um, had any kind of motivating imagery in a sense of like, I want to go do something because of this. To me, this particular dream was a way for my brain to give me a small picture of my emotional and mental state at the time. It's a little bit more traditional. I wasn't given a storyline or anything of that sort, but it was a literal reassembly of my memories and emotions in a way that my brain interpreted it and was able to kind of communicate it back to me so I realized something about myself. In a very basic sense, if you pay attention to your dreams, even if they're not producing what I call the art of sleep, the most important thing is that they are messages that your brain is trying to show you and communicate to you so that you understand something about yourself. So I had a dream that woke me up at 2.30 a.m. Usually when I wake up, as I said, it's at 4 a.m., I've noticed that 2.30, for some reason, is when I'm roused from my sleep. I have a feeling that this is one of the deepest stages of my REM cycle, but it's also the prime screening time for my brain's new box office smash. So I'm going to pick apart this dream right now so you understand, really, the literal sense of what your brain does with your mind. Did that make any sense, what your brain does with your mind? I guess you could say, you could argue there are two different things. Your brain is the physical thing and the mind is that kind of indefinable thing. In any case, I, only, I really only remember the last scene. And it's a, the part in that M. Night Shyamalan movie where he recaps all the things that led to that moment. Kind of this little montage of, hey, did you pay attention to this through the whole movie and see that there were clues given so that this would happen now? My perspective was... was my perspective was from a street curb looking towards storefronts in a downtown area. Behind the single-story businesses, there was a huge high-rise building, and it was being erected. There was a lot of construction. The top was incomplete, and it forked into an almost like V-shaped space, and there was a large crane that was lifting what looked to be a large lettered sign to sit on top of the building. The crane was lifting it and awkwardly dropped the massive sign structure onto the incomplete building top and then it that surface kind of crumbled a little bit and you saw that it was askew so the surface edges kind of crumbled a little bit and then the letters were crooked and as i noticed that happen i saw the three workers who were guiding the sign down to its position were suddenly knocked from their perch and they fell dramatically off the top of the building two of them fell silently but I saw them flailing their arms as they fell. The third one was the one that I truly can't get out of my head, so to speak. He screamed. It was a horrifyingly close and bitter wail as he disappeared behind the storefronts that obscured my view of the ground. 
at that moment, all I could think was the sound of his dire cry as he rushed towards the, the ground and the feeling of how close he was. His voice was like rushing at me. Then the realization that I had just watched three people die in front of me, it was shock. Standing next to me, my wife, she turned to face me and she had this grimace of horror on her face, on the verge of tears, because she just saw the same thing. And I heard myself say, I can't believe I just saw that. And that's when I woke up, upset and horrified. I don't often have the kind of dreams that scare me, at least in the sense of someone's chasing me, a boogeyman, Freddy Krueger, none of that. Lucid dreaming always put me in some kind of control, and yet, sometimes dreams, they show you something and there was nothing to control. I've had a theory for years that our dreams are, you know, these rear-projected snippets of recent memories. This is a case in point. Nearly every item in this awful dream came from real-life elements. Let's start with the setting. The day before, my family and I visited Oceanside here in California and spent our time wandering around the downtown area past all the storefronts. The building being constructed in the background was the same high-rise building built in the film Glass, which, not by coincidence, is by M. Night Shyamalan. And we had just finished watching that the night before the dream. The crane lifting the letters was the same construction monstrosity that was also located at downtown Oceanside by the pier. The interesting part is the shock of witnessing such a horrible accident. It was a very traumatic moment that actually mirrored my current stress level at work. During this week at work in particular, I was faced with the challenges of managing conflict with employees working under me, bringing new people on board, and even letting a few go. The stress of, quote, building my team and the threat of things, quote, falling apart, I think is an apt metaphor that my brain assembled into a very horrific scene. In a single moment, it really did embody the most vulnerable point of my feelings and stress at that time. So even if your dreams aren't giving you ideas for blockbuster smashes or great novels, not to say that I've ever had that, even if they're not giving you inspiration to do things, I think they're worth paying attention to because there's a message there and it's about you. And at the very least, it's pretty interesting to decipher. So as a professional sleeper, I will always appreciate the art of sleep. I will always be fascinated by dreams and I'll always be paying attention to these wonderful images that inspire me and that move me to create. So when you drift off tonight, think about these things. Maybe the next time you open your eyes, it'll be in that dream world and you'll realize that you too have that superpower. But at the very least, maybe you can get a good night's sleep. 